0: Welcome to Curious Psalms, a podcast where we practice reading and praying this wonderful prayer book of God's people. I'm your host, Matt, and for this episode on Psalm 37, I'm glad to welcome back again, Reverend Q. Han. If you haven't listened to our last episode, I'd recommend you pause here And go back, because in that episode, you'll have a chance to hear Psalm 37 and spend some time reflecting on the psalm for yourself. But once you've listened to it, come back to this episode, and you'll get to hear a conversation between Q and I about this rich psalm. So without further ado, let's dive in. Q, welcome back to Curious Psalms. It's
1: good to be back. Whether the listeners are listening and saying, wow, he's back again, or wow, he's back again. I am back. I'm glad to be back (laughs) (laughs) to have this conversation. (laughs) Whether they're
0: grateful or whether they're upset. Right. (laughs) I've yet to get any listener feedback that they don't want you back, so I think you're okay. Well, that's very encouraging. But I'm glad, you know, we got to roll out the the heavy hitters when you have a psalm as long as Psalm 37. Mm -hmm. So I said, let me call in the Reverend Captain. Is that i don't know is that what we're supposed to call you that's not Cap- my
1: official title but you can call me that Captain if reference. you'd like to. yeah that sounds kind of nice
0: <laughs> to talk about psalm 37 i think we should just dive in because there is it. so much here to talk about right 40 so, verses yeah we're gonna stick with our same three questions because whether the psalm is short or long they still mm-hmm. work q what stood out to you in reading this psalm so i'm going first you are of course <laughs>
1: Yeah. Oh, what's that to me? I mean, obviously out of the 40 verses, there are multiple things, but I'll just highlight maybe the beginning of the text. I think verses three through three and four, trust in the Lord and do. So like the psalmist sees troubles and evil doings and evil doers and injustice all around him. Uh And he says, maybe as a solution, maybe as a suggestion to himself and to others around him and to us, trust in the Lord and do good. Dwell in the land and enjoy safe pasture. Take delight in the Lord and he will give you the desires of your heart. And what stood out to me the most is to do good, like in response to the injustice and troubles that we see. Mm. But what also struck me was if we take delight in the Lord, he'll give us the desires of our heart. So it may take, so I'm going to try to articulate this well yeah. to, to the best of my ability. But what struck me initially was this this idea of doing good. It's yeah. like in our world, in our culture, there seems to be varying opinions or views on what doing good looks like. Oh, sure. Right? So yeah. like, if you talk to a Republican, they might have a certain view of what doing good re- looks like. And you talk to a Democrat or any other political party, they might have an entirely different or slightly different view on what doing good looks like. Mm. You think about culture, um, you think about different ethnicities, and they may have different kind of views and perspectives on what doing good looks like, right? Yeah. Uh-huh. And so it really strikes me that the psalmist then says, I think this seems to be at the heart of his suggestion, which is to take the light in the Lord because he's going to give us the desires of our heart. So what I heard from that is maybe none of us know what exactly it looks like to do good in times of injustice and troubles and the evil you know, that we see around us yeah. and what exactly God's redemptive work may look like. And it's just kind of fascinating that the psalmist doesn't say, like he doesn't give us particular socio-political action steps. He sure. says, take the light in the Lord. And then he's going to give us the desires of our hearts and maybe his heart <laughs> mm. so yeah that's what stood out to me the most I mean to take the light in the Lord and to enjoy God in times of trouble and when we see injustice and to turn toward God maybe without any agendas but to really take the light in him yeah That strikes me. I don't know what that would exactly look like because I haven't personally practiced it. But (laughs) This is the whole point of uh, Curious Psalms, right? We're we're just being curious and we're not really actually taking any action steps in our lives.
0: Yeah, it's really not about any kind of transformation. It's purely cerebral. (laughs) That's what I'm
1: here for. Yeah.
0: (laughs) Well, it's interesting because the psalm does give us a little bit of a picture at least of what this looks like later right? I think verse 21 maybe is an example. The wicked borrow and do not repay, but the righteous give generously. So you have this contrast of, okay, so part of what doing good includes some kind of generosity. And then again, that's actually picked up in verse 26 again. They are always generous and lend freely. So there's a little bit of a picture, but you're right that it's not fully fleshed out. It's Mm -hmm. not, here's the five things. Yeah. Or here's the 10 things that absolutely every good person does. But there's maybe some implicit some implicit layers to that.
1: I think so. But it all kind of I think seems to begin with the idea of taking delight in the Lord. Yeah. Taking delight in the Lord. Yeah,
0: yeah, sure. There's this refrain that we hear over and over about the land in this psalm. Don't know if you notice this, but it particularly stood out to me in verse eleven where it says the meek will inherit the land. Yeah. Which made me think of the Beatitudes in Matthew chapter five. So this is the Sermon on the Mount, and Jesus gives his various blessed, but one of them is blessed are the meek. For they will inherit the earth mm-hmm. which sounds a whole lot like verse 11 the meek will inherit the land it really be it with a, a little bit of a twist and over and over again actually in this psalm i i counted it up kind of these mentions of the land and i might have even missed some but i counted it talks about dwelling in the land and enjoying safe pasture in verse 3 which you just read there's those who hope in the lord will inherit the land in verse 9. Mm-hmm. the meek will inherit the land in verse 11 which i just read verse 22 those the Lord blesses will inherit the land. Verse 27, then you will dwell in the land forever. Verse 29, the righteous will inherit the land. And verse 34, he will exalt you to inherit the land. Hmm. Which by my count is seven times yeah, the land repeated is talked about.
1: Many times in yeah. the chapter. That may be important, maybe.
0: Actually, my conclusion is probably not. <laughs> probably doesn't matter. I just thought it was an interesting thing. that I kept repeating itself. No, I mean, in some sense, it's fascinating to look back at Psalm 37 as almost their explanation of what Jesus' words look like. Jesus was surely aware of Psalm 37 as he preaches his sermon, right? But this idea that the meek the meek endure and that the, the wicked's plans eventually fall apart. This psalm has a really kind of long-term view at times. Sometimes I think it's short-term, sometimes it's longer-term. Mm-hmm. Verse 34 is this, Hope in the Lord and keep his way. He will exalt you to inherit the land. When the wicked are destroyed, you will see it. Mm-hmm. That's an almost final judgment kind of declaration, right? Right. So the, the time span here is pretty significant, but there's certainly this idea the land is important. And I find it fascinating that Jesus in his teaching then expands it to sort of the earth. In other words, this is not merely about Israel. It's not merely about a particular place, but in fact, the whole earth, the meek will inherit it because the wicked eventually both through their own deeds coming back on them that's like verse 14 and 15 their swords yeah. will pierce their own hearts and their bows will be broken but also because of god's judgment when the wicked are destroyed mm-hmm. uh, god is certainly an agent in that i think then the meek will inherit the earth so that really stood out to me it was really just verse 11 initially but then as i yep. as that when i started looking for the land in this song was like wow this is everywhere it's being repeated like there's said, a ongoing, ongoing theme going on yeah mm-hmm. right well shall we move on to our second question? Yes.
1: And I think it kinda of flows well from what you've just said. What well, did this well, Psalm?
0: Yeah. Oh you're you're trying to ask the question again?
1: Well I was going to This though. is classic Q. Yeah. <laughs>
0: oh my goodness. He's trying to
1: take over, man.
0: What do we learn right about God <laughs> from the psalm? Dang it.
1: It's a battle. That's too slow. <laughs> Every time. Mine came from twelve and thirteen. I love this. The wicked plot against the righteous and gnash their teeth mm. at them, but the Lord, oh yeah. Laughs at the wicked, he laughs at the wicked for he knows their day is coming. So, what did I learn about God? It just reminded me that God knows what he's doing, Mm. God so very well knows what he is doing, and he is taking care of this earth, this world, yeah, and all the people in it. Mm. And there comes a day when he will be laughing at the wicked, Mm. and he is laughing at the wicked and all the evil and the the troubles and the injustice that are happening all around us and often within us so it's just a comfort and maybe an implication of that is i think there is a huge importance in the work of justice within the church but i think Mm -hmm. it's this particular psalm is a great reminder for the church well for the church to be reminded that God is ultimately the one who is bringing justice. Because I think sometimes there is a great sense of guilt within the church if they are unable to engage in a lot of justice actions in their communities or their neighborhoods or whatever the case may be. But though that is an important piece of the gospel and the faith that we have, ultimately I think it's also equally important for us to remind ourselves that it is God who is ultimately bringing justice and Mm. redeeming all things Because I do sometimes see that Christians, I think, can go or be wrapped up so much so by this sort of, you know, mojo and the agenda for social justice that sometimes we um, forget to care for. A specific group of people who may be, you know, affiliating themselves with the opposite, you know, political party or the, op- you know, what I'm saying like different ethnicity and people groups or what have you. Does that make sense? What I'm saying? I think
0: it does. I, yeah, I'm fascinated. You know, you're you're bringing politics into yeah. like every question here. Yeah, wow, yeah, yeah. that's what stood realize, out to me from
1: this psalm. Didn't
0: realize who I was inviting into the room. <laughs> no, what you're saying, Q, actually reminds me a lot of what I talked with Dolly about in Psalm 35 because in that psalm, David that's the contend against those who contend with me. He really is giving it to God. He's asking God to do sort of the hard work, so to speak. Uh, and so there's a lot that resonates, I think, with what you're saying. I, I think another way to put it, or maybe to build an angle on it, because what you're not saying is we shouldn't engage mm-hmm. in justice or social right. justice or in our community and engaging in these ways and helping right. restore. But it seems like some of the trouble begins... To come up for us when we believe that it's our responsibility to ultimately fix it, yes, and that a failure to completely resolve an issue is is a cause for despair, yes, right. Whereas you heard me very well. Yep. Whereas it seems like the biblical and even the psalm gives us a vision of faithful doing good that is regenerative and renewing and just, mm-hmm. right? Fundamentally just and transforming communities. But it's based in the knowledge that God is the one working and God will ultimately restore all things. And that, I think, is freeing in the sense that we do not carry the full responsibility. So it's not that we don't participate. It's not that we don't do this. It's mm-hmm. not that we don't uh, even talk about it and encourage right. each other to do it. But it entirely gets reframed when it is not, not. I don't want to use the word responsibility, but that uh, it is not wholly dependent on us. Yes, yes. That, that,
1: right. that's so well said really well articulated and and I would even say that when our zeal for justice goes beyond our call to love and sometimes I think we see that happening within the church and within Christian circles because we're carrying a certain kind of agenda whether it's political one or social one cultural that we forget to love people who may be on the other side of the conversation or you know the agenda yeah so we came a long way (laughs) (laughs) He certainly did but yeah, that's so what cool. i learned about yeah god. <laughs> yeah take us back to the question yeah <laughs> what i learned about god is that god knows what he's doing and mm-hmm. you know we can always remem- remember that main thing that he knows what he's doing and he loves uh this world and right. all of us in it and uh, we should do the same as we seek justice
0: yeah yep i like it i yeah my observation here is really building on it you said i think god knows what he's doing the words that i jotted down was god is trustworthy right? It begins with trust, trust the Lord and do good. And that the Psalm is a kind of lifting our eyes to the trustworthiness of God. So the Psalmist seems to say, if, if you are able to have the perspective of God and how he's working and the timelines in which he works, then in some sense, the wicked do not matter, hmm. right? They, they fade away. The Lord's enemies are like the flowers of the field. Now, the reality is you might spend your whole life encountering those flowers of the field <laughs> right okay. like you might be in the midst of that field for your entire life that's quite possible All right and yet you can trust in the lord because as you said he knows what he's doing he's the one above the field and those flowers will be consumed uh, because of who god is because he is trustworthy it made me think of c.s Lewis's the lion the witch in the wardrobe where this is like complete spoiler alert but there's the deep magic In narnia that basically says the white witch if there is someone who's a traitor she can kill that traitor Hmm. and so then she's going to kill edmund who's one of uh the children again complete spoiler here aslan who's i mean really the christ figure in this novel comes in and substitutes himself for edmund and in his death upon the stone table he taps into the deeper magic from before the dawn of time is what lewis (laughs) calls it in the book, in other words, there is something that the White Witch, in many ways a symbol of the wicked, does not know, is not aware of. Her perspective is so limited. And here's Aslan, the God, the Christ figure. The realities of our world are deeper. There's something yeah. richer going on, and there is a way in which the psalmist is sort of saying, "Look, here is what the wicked aren't aware of. They may have wealth, they may have success, they may be a luxuriant native tree. That's mm. quite quite the phrase yeah. there in verse thirty-five. But what what they're missing." is that all of that will pass away. Mm. Like, there's no enduring to them. By contrast, the meek, who will inherit the land as the wicked are destroyed.
1: Right. And maybe none of us, whether righteous or wicked, you know, aren't able to hold that full perspective, I don't think, any of us, right? But to, as you say, trust. Yeah. God is holding all all those things together.
0: Yeah, although this... Yeah, I both agree, and this psalm seems to be trying to help us see, mm. right, in part, at least. I think yeah. you're right, that none of us ever see perfectly right? kind of God's plan and what he's doing. But the psalm is also trying to beat into us yep. in kind of a healthy, formative I, way. Yeah, I agree. That perspective. And to participate in it. Yeah. Our last question you
1: Already the last question.
0: Already the last question, but who knows how much longer we will go. How, Which is, we'll, how
1: can the psalms help <laughs> us to pray? How
0: does, <laughs> <laughs> how does this psalm help us to pray? I Never said it your now guard because, because I edit the podcast. Oh, that's <laughs> right. I forget that you have the editing power. No one will ever hear it. Right. How does this psalm help us to pray?
1: It helps me to be... Uh, I'm trying to s- see where the verse was. Verse 7, be still before the Lord mm. and wait patiently for him. Being patient and being still. Yeah, which may involve, you know, quiet times or, you know, stillness, not doing anything. Mm-hmm. It's hard for me. And that as a form of prayer is very appealing and attractive, though it is hard, which may actually entail that I might need it in my own <laughs> life. <laughs> so I think it's just kind of worth paying attention to because when we quiet down, I think there are things that just kind of occupy our minds, you yeah. know, whether it be about the news that we heard or mm-hmm. read about or you know, watched or you know, things that we the troubles that we're kind of experiencing in our own lives, whatever the case may be. I think the mind is so capable of revealing those things and holding Mm. those things and really revealing them when we quiet down. And that's partly why I think, you know, I I avoid those times as much as I can, because I mean, you know.
0: Sure. What comes up.
1: Yeah, exactly. So especially as I, with Psalm 37, think about the troubles and the wickedness and the the constant sort of ongoing evil that's mm. happening all around us. I think that's the invitation that I hear. I think it mm. helps me, you know, invites me to pray in silence, in yeah. quiet stillness, and to be really patient and yeah. to wait for God. I'm not quite sure what that what that means, you know, yeah. you know, like in practice, but that's what I hear.
0: No, I think that's really helpful, Hugh. And I was reading something that was saying the stillness, the being still here is exactly what you said. It is a stillness of waiting, not a stillness of rest. Mm -hmm. Which isn't to say we don't need rest. But when I read that, I just thought, oh, that's so interesting. Because sometimes I can enter a quote-unquote stillness (laughs) of rest. like Maybe literally take a nap. Yeah, right. (laughs) Which is something we need.
1: That's where my mind would go. Right.
0: But that's not what's being envisioned here. That's not the fullness of what it means for us to be still. In fact, part of our being still is an attentive stillness awaiting as you said patiently for god wait
1: did you say you read this like it was an article you read uh, yeah
0: it? in the commentary Derek kidner's oh, commentary okay. on the psalms yeah he was talking about Waiting yeah stillness what what kind of stillness is being envisioned mm-hmm. here so i wanted to go back to where you started interestingly to mm-hmm. kind of draw a circle maybe around our conversation about this idea of delighting in the lord mm-hmm. and the psalm i don't know exactly how i want to say this It's like when you have the the breadth of perspective that this psalm invites us into it is as if i keep wanting to come to the word tune out but that's not quite what i mean if that makes sense like it fades it's almost as if you're well i have right in front of me sort of an audio mixer so it's as if you're able to turn down the volume (laughs) so to speak Mm -hmm. on well on the wicked on the troubles And you sort of are turning up the volume, (laughs) so to speak, on God. But I was trying to think, what does this actually look like to delight in the Lord? And well, let me just toss this question at you. This is a bit. There's a fourth question. This is a bit bit personal, but I'm curious. When's the last time you laughed in prayer? Wow.
1: I mean, I, I can't remember. Yeah. I don't even. I'm not even sure if there was a time when yeah. I laughed.
0: Yeah, yeah. I... and if you flipped it back on me, I'd probably say so. i probably say the same thing. Like this morning, <laughs> <laughs> listeners. Matt takes the line in the Lord every day. Good. Now that I've trapped you, <laughs> let me reveal. I laugh daily. <laughs> <laughs> no, but isn't that interesting? That
1: is so interesting.
0: I have the same reflection. I yeah. if uh, if I've laughed it is probably at a joke that I've made for other people, but not really. I wouldn't say it was a delight in the Lord, but I, I just thought, Oh, that's interesting because relationally, like, like even thinking about you and I, we laugh all the time. No. Listeners have already heard us laugh probably a number of times right. in this podcast. And if you haven't, it's because I've edited them out, but let me <laughs> assure you that we've laughed. <laughs> there's, there's been humor as a part of our conversation. Right. But I'm like, huh, when I pray, surely laughter is a part of delighting. It's not yeah. all of it for sure. Like, delight is bigger than laughter but hmm is that a sign that uh, maybe i can deepen in delight? and then of course it's like well what what in the world does that look like is this like some weird sort of scene from mary poppins where you're just kind of like floating to the top of the ceiling and just laughing because the world is funny i, I don't know that that's <laughs> that's really the vision here but there is much about our world and about god's work that is just yeah if not if not comical, then just overwhelmingly good mm. to the point of I think it it's like kinda of funny. And so I'm like part of my thinking is okay, how how can this psalm help help me to pray? Well, A it's inviting me into a different kind of perspective, right? A perspective that's larger. But also like, how do I lean into the light yeah. in the Lord? Yeah. I, I think- like
1: that a lot. Yeah, it's really intriguing to me. I think I wanna Yeah, think about that one.
0: You don't, you don't have the formulaic way to uh, start laughing in prayer? Uh-oh. <laughs> <laughs> me, me neither. I do wonder if part of it is paying close attention to what God is doing. Does that make sense? Oh, yeah. And then reflecting that back to him. Because often there are parts of our stories that in retrospect become funny, right? Like who we are or who we were and yeah, right. how we encountered that. And maybe there's opportunity there to share that right in prayer Mm. with god in such a way that laughter becomes a part of our prayer Mm. but yeah delight in the lord like it a lot maybe it's blasphemous i don't know but it seems good (laughs) it it sounds really good
1: very appealing so tomorrow morning i'm gonna laugh (laughs) in my conversation slash prayer with god
0: i love it well psalm 37 40 verses plenty there to get into but I think that's going to do it for this episode. Yep. Q. Matt. Thanks as always.
1: Well, my pleasure.
0: I'm grateful for a conversation with you. I looked throughout this psalm for verses to conclude with, as we do each time, you know, I pick a verse or two. And there's so many good options. But maybe we will go back to those, that verse 3 and 4. Trust in the Lord and do good. Dwell in the land and enjoy safe pasture. Take delight in the Lord and he will give you the desires of your heart. Friends, go out and pray the psalms.